You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. On today's show, what I want to do is talk about some storylines going around baseball that relate to the Mets. The first being that the Houston Astros might just go on and win a World Series as they have taken the first two games against the Houston Astros on the road. I'm also going to talk about Joe Girardi in the first half, as he has been hired as the new manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, taking him out of the running for the Mets job and putting him in their division. Later on in the second half, I'm going to talk about Tanner Roark, who is a potential free agent that can fill the fifth starter role in the Mets rotation. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. I actually just wrote a piece on Tanner Roark, so if you want to get some of those numbers and read them over after listening, you can find that at MetsmerizeOnline.com. So first off, let's talk about the Washington Nationals. They had a huge mountain decline to start this series, facing Garrett Cole in Game 1, a pitcher who had won 19 straight decisions, was just unbelievable, turning himself into the best pitcher in baseball, and they somehow beat Garrett Cole in Game 1. No one saw that coming. Then in Game 2 against Justin Verlander, not only did the Nationals score 3 runs on him, or actually 4 runs on him, but they end up scoring 13 runs altogether to beat the Nationals 13-2. And now they are on the cusp of the first World Series title in franchise history. Now I have talked about this. I did a podcast, I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, talking about woulda, coulda, shoulda, how the Mets could have been this same team in this position. And I still fully do believe that. But for Mets fans that are out there right now saying, you know, woe is me, the Mets, it should be the Mets in that spot, the Nationals don't deserve this, the Mets were 12-7 and against the Nationals this year, I just kind of want to bring you back down to earth a little bit. This season, the Mets run differential was plus 54. The Nationals run differential was plus 149. So they were clearly a better team throughout a 162-game schedule. And that's not even mentioning the fact that they obviously finished with a much better record as well. Here is the stat, though, that really puts this run for the Nationals into perspective. This is courtesy of Hembo from ESPN. He tweeted out that the Nationals played their 50th game of the season on May 23rd. I believe that's the same date when they were 12 games under 500 and then eventually turned their season around. Since that date, and this was on October 21st when he tweeted this out, the Nationals were 82-40, and with a plus 203 run differential. The Astros, in comparison, were 81-41 and with a plus 192 run differential. 
So it is no fluke that the Nationals have gone in this run. They were one of the best teams in baseball all year. That slow start really kind of changed our perspective on what they were doing. But you do have to credit them. They have been incredible in the playoffs. I think they've won eight or nine straight, which is an MLB record in the postseason. So right now, going back home with a 2-0 lead, three games to be played over the weekend, I think they have a good chance to uh, you know, be World Series champions by the time I'm talking to you again on Monday. Now let's talk about the news that pertains more closely to the Mets, and that is Joe Girardi getting hired by the Philadelphia Phillies. Now this is not a shocking development. The Phillies were always in on Girardi. They've been interviewing experienced managers like Dusty Baker. They wanted to get kind of the polar opposite of what they just had in Gabe Kapler, who was a young analytics guru with no real managerial experience. They wanted to get a proven guy in there. And quite frankly, they identified Joe Girardi. They hit it off and boom, they gave him whatever money I'm sure he wanted and got the deal done early. And so I think there's going to be a lot of Mets fans if this season starts and the Phillies jump out and they get red hot early and maybe the Mets trip up out of the gate, they're going to be screaming about the fact that Joe Girardi is not managing this team. For me, I did like the idea of Girardi. I mean, you heard me talking about it on the podcast. I like the established manager, a proven winner. I said that I really felt that he increased the floor of this team greatly. But on the other hand, there's been a lot of first-time managers who have found success in baseball recently. Dave Martinez right now with the Nationals, he didn't have a ton of managerial experience before getting that role. You know, at one point you had, we've talked about Alex Cora and Dave Roberts, a lot of guys who kind of jump in and find success early. And so right now the Mets are looking at a lot of candidates who don't quite have Girardi's experience, but maybe they bring the ceiling of this team up and maybe they are the guys that come in and can take this team to the next level. What I will say is that the Mets wanted to be patient. They wanted to go through their process. And on the surface, I like a team that's going to really think things out. It's good that they're not just jumping to the whims of what the fan base was out crying for on Twitter. Like I get that and I'm okay with that. The problem is I don't have a lot of trust and faith in this front office to make a smart decision. I just don't think so. Heim Bloom right now might become the new general manager of the Boston Red Sox. That's the guy the Mets should have hired last year. He probably would have taken this team to a completely different level. Someone who had the experience, who's a really smart guy who had worked in front offices, and instead they hired an agent do a role he had never done before in Brody Van Wagenen. So I just don't know exactly how I can put my utmost confidence in someone who hasn't necessarily done this before and has made some mistakes. And then the Wilpons who have just betrayed the Mets fans trust for years. So those things make me a little bit nervous about the direction they go. But in the end, you have to get a manager that's going to work with the front office because if those parties right now in 2019 aren't working conjointly together, you're not going to find a lot of success in an analytically driven league. And so hopefully they find someone who is the perfect fit for Brody Van Wagenen's team and maybe that marriage works perfectly 
and the Mets find themselves in a similar position to where the Nationals sit right now. Now when we get back, I'm going to talk about a pitcher that can maybe help the Mets get there, and he just happens to be a former National himself. But I will get to that in just a minute. Whether you're catching a game, a concert, or a show, Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicating to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, earning credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seats app via their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Vivid Seats helps fans find seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and more, all through the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience, as well as an in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are then automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program and will enjoy credits on all their purchases as part of Vivid Seats Rewards. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable alternative to Viagra and Cialis with the same FDA-approved active ingredients so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you could be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. We'll use our special promo code MLB. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Mets fans, now I'm going to talk about a pitcher that could solve the Mets' rotation needs this offseason, and that is Tanner Roark. To me, Roark screams average prototypical fifth starter. And the best part about Roark is his health. This is a guy who has never seen the injured list, knock on wood. He has been as durable as can be, aside from seasons where the Nationals try to play with him in the bullpen, which was in 2015, actually. Roark has made 30 or more starts in every single full season of his career, of course, excluding his rookie year in 2013. And he has a couple of years where he pitched really well. 2014, he pitched to a 2.85 ERA, falling just four outs short of a 200-inning season. He went 15-10 and 10 that year although we don't talk about win and loss record anymore. And then in 2016, after the Nationals experimented with him out of the bullpen the year prior, he comes back into the rotation, pitches to a 2.83 ERA, reaching a career-high 210 innings pitch, and he actually finished 10th that year in the Cy Young voting. Now since then, he has dropped off in performance and turned into just an average pitcher. 2017, he had a 4.67 ERA, 
2018, he had a 4-3-4 ERA. And then this past year with the Reds and the Athletics, he pitched to a 4-3-5 ERA. So the thing about Roark, again, it comes down to someone who's going to give your team a chance to win two out of three days, right? I mean, he is going to have his starts where he blows up and he's hittable and he doesn't have that plus level stuff. He's going to get knocked around. But a lot of times he's going to take the ball. He's going to give you a quality start. And then it's going to be up to you to score some runs and win ball games. But this fantasy idea of having five great starting pitchers, it's amazing in theory. But a lot of times that's just not a reality. Right now you're looking at the Washington Nationals. They're rolling out a rotation with four starters basically in the playoffs. You have Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, and Anibal Sanchez. The Astros right now, they have three starting pitchers that they're actually rolling with in the playoffs with Cole, Verlander, and Grinke. So having five starting pitchers is great in theory, but having someone in that fifth starter role that you can count on to make his start every fifth day and to be a major league caliber starting pitcher, that can go a long way for this team. You would much rather have a Tanner Roark as that fifth starter than a Walker Lockett. I think it's that simple. It really is. And so while he's not a Zach Wheeler, I do think he's someone that can come to the Mets relatively cheap, perform really well, and you never know. I mean, he's not that far removed from being an above-average starting pitcher in 2016. He's a sinker baller, and so playing in the NL East again where he is comfortable, maybe he finds a lot of success. I don't think that it's out of the question that he turns in a better year than we've seen over the last couple. But even if he gives you a 4-3-5 ERA in 30 starts, the Mets should take that to the bank. The only question to me is going to be how much money does Roark actually get? Free agents that are past the age of 30 are no longer finding these lucrative long-term deals. I don't think anyone's going to give Roark a deal longer than three years. And I really don't think the Mets should give him a deal longer than two years. I would like to see them sign Roark to like a one-year deal with maybe a mutual option or a club option with a buyout, something like that. That would be a good way to bring the guy in and kind of lower the risk if he turns in a bad season. But this past year, Roark made $10 million through arbitration. That, to me, is about the ceiling for what he could potentially make in a year. I don't think anyone's paying him more than $10 million. I just don't see it. Last year, Lance Lynn signed a three-year, $30 million deal with the Texas Rangers. He was coming off a year where he pitched to a 4.77 ERA. Um, he did have a little more success overall with the Cardinals in the past before hitting free agency, so maybe got paid to the back of his baseball card a little bit. It seemed like a lot then. And looking back, it definitely was. Mike Fires was another guy that I comped here to Tanner Roark. He signed a two-year deal worth just over $14 million with the Athletics. I think that is around the neighborhood that Roark will be living in. So that's something the Mets have to consider. To me, in an ideal world, you might be able to sign Tanner Roark if he's out there in free agency for a while and no one really wants him to like a $5 million contract with a lot of incentives that maybe push it up closer to the $8, $9 million range if he hits 
maybe you know innings and starts or whatever you kind of put in the contract for him. And then, like I said, you get creative with maybe a second-year option, whatever it is. But if you get Tanner Roark to the back end of your rotation cheap, then all of a sudden you can spend a bigger portion of your free agent budget where you really need to in the bullpen and maybe trying to clean up the roster a little bit defensively. So I think that Roark makes a lot of sense. He might not be the sexiest name out there, but you know what? He would probably get the job done, and that might be the type of pitcher that the Mets look to sign for 2020. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.